Thank you for tuning in to the podcast of Western Heights Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. We exist to exalt Christ, equip the church, and engage the community. For more info, visit whbcwaco.org. If you want to, you can go ahead and open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 14. We will get there eventually, all right? Uh, a couple of months ago, I was watching an older movie, not an older movie, it, uh, a newer, older movie, does that make sense? An older, newer movie, whatever it is. The War of the Worlds, one with Tom Cruise in it. Uh, and I was watching it once again, and, you know, as you watch something a second time, you become a little bit more critical of the show. And, and it, it comes in detail later on in the movie, but this movie is about a war between an alien, an alien nation who comes to the earth to overtake the earth. And the thing that's interesting about the movie, as you watch the movie, you discover that the aliens' forces were actually already in the earth's core. And that they ignited a, a beam or something to extract it, and then that, the creature came up from the earth. So it was something that was already in the earth, and they had to do battle with it. I think in many ways, that is kind of the indicative of the war in which we find ourselves in, in this world in which we, we live. The truth is, we are in a war. We are in a battle, whether we want to, to like it or not, we are in the war of the worlds. It's a war between God and between the forces of good and evil. And, and if, you want to have a, if, if you want to have a life that's full of purpose, if you want to have, have a life that, that is fulfilling, and a life that, that gives you everything that God intends for you to have, then you've got to watch out for the snares. You've got to watch out for the traps that Satan is going to plan for you. He's already laid for you in so many different ways. You've got to recognize the battle that's going on. And what, is, what has happened is there's things lying within us. They are dormant. And every now and then, Satan wants to revitalize those. So there's a battle raging within us. So I want to invite you these next five weeks to look at seven deadly sins. That's what we we're going to talk about, the seven deadly sins that have been mentioned throughout time. And when we recognize these entanglements, when we recognize these snares that bring problems into our life, we will see that it leads to destruction. Every one of them will lead to destruction. And each one of these seven deadly sins denies some truth God has for our lives. So let me give them to you real fast, these seven deadly sins, and then uh, we'll go ahead and talk about the first one. The first one is pride. Pride denies the limit of authority. Pride denies the limit of authority. It, it, it hinders your ability to trust people. The second one is envy. Envy denies the limit of ownership. God says there's limits to what you can own. God says this is mine, this is yours, this is somebody else, this doesn't belong to anybody. He says there's limits to ownership. The third one is wrath. Wrath denies the limit of appropriate response. What we do is we take this anger that we have toward an individual, toward a situation, and we put it down deep inside of us. And it builds up and it boils to a breaking point. And then what we do is we respond out of our wrath and we have anger toward an individual or toward a situation that wrath consumes us. So it denies the limit of an appropriate response. The, the fourth one is laziness. Laziness denies the limit of faithfulness. We become lazy, so we don't want to work in the church. We become lazy, we don't want to do ministry. We become lazy, and we just don't want to do anything but sit around and eat bonbons. We'll talk about that in a little bit. The next one is greed. Greed denies the limit of possession. 
the limited possession. The next one is gluttony. Oh, now we're meddling. Gluttony denies the limit of consumption. Now, there might be some of you that, uh, you know, you're going to miss that Sunday when we talk about that. That's why I've, I've skipped around. You're not going to talk about them in order. <laughs> uh, gluttony. And we're not just talking about food. You know, if, if, we're not talking about food. We're talking about anything that, that you desire, anything that, that, that you need, that you desire. And the last one is lust. Lust denies the limits of relationships. It tells what you can do in a relationship, what you cannot do in a relationship. Listen, these things are real. And they, they are real and they would damage you because they have a real enemy working behind them to trap you, to ensnare you, and to bring you down. When you become ensnared by one of these enemies, then trust begins to erode. And you don't know what you can do and what you want to do. So this morning, I want to talk about pride. This morning, I want to talk about winning the war for trust. Remember, I said that pride denies the limit of authority. Now, can you be proud in a good way? Yes, you can be. You can be prideful in a good way. Uh, suppose your, your, your daughter or your son does really good on a test or really good at an athletic contest. Can you be prideful? Yeah, you can. That's good. But aren't you really what you're saying when you're seeing that? Aren't you really saying, I am celebrating the achievement in this life. I see my child growing and becoming everything they can be. So you're really celebrating the accomplishment that they're having. So you can have pride in a good way. You should be prideful of your children. You should have, be proud of your children. But that's not the pride we're talking about. The pride that we're talking about as we dig into the Scripture today is that which is selfish, that which is self-absorbed. It does not build up people, it destroys people. It does not enrich or enhance anyone's life. It debilitates you, it destroys you, and it decays life and the relationships around you. So if this morning, if you're wanting to press on in this thing we call the Christian life, if you really want to be everything that God intends for you to be, then I want to invite you to stay with me these next five weeks as we, we talk about those things. I want you to grapple with me with these issues because some of us have too much pride. There's too much pride in of us. And I believe that most of us want to grow. I believe there might be some that you're just here because you, know, you go to church, you want to check it off of the box, okay, I've got that out of the way because it's a routine, it's a ritual that you go through. But, but if you want to come and you say, man, I want to know how to battle. I want to know how I can, I can rise above these situations. And you want some tools to help you. I want to give you some tools. I want to give you some things that will help you deal with this. I want you to know how to avoid the snares and the traps that Satan has for you. Are you ready? Stay with me. Here we go. Now, I'm convinced. I'm convinced from my study of Scripture that the story of pride begins before that of human history. I believe it begins in the supernatural realm. I believe it started before Adam ever opened his eyes and saw the light of day, before Adam ever took his first breath, before Adam and Eve ever existed. I believe that pride existed in the world. It, it existed before man existed. It existed before time began. But God was there and the angels were there. And the Bible tells us an interesting story in Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 15. Now, I recognize there's lots of, of variables with this particular passage. 
I believe it's teaching some truths that apply to man, and even to Jesus even applies it later on in the, in the New Testament. But listen to what Isaiah says as he's talking about this. He goes, How you have fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly, on the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. But you are brought down to the grave, to the depths of the pit. Pride. Pride. Pride is the fundamental issue behind every sin that we deal with. Here we're talking about Satan. Satan at one time wanted to set himself up above God. He wasn't content with being one of the angels, one of the primary angels. He said, I want to be like God. I want to set my throne up above God's throne. But pride is the fundamental issue behind every sin. And from this issue of pride, all the other sins gain their strength and they find their empowerment. So write this down, right? Ready? Write it down. Pride is hated by God. Pride is hated by God. Now, I could quote Scripture to you, but let me just give them to you real fast. Here's your devotional for tomorrow morning, okay? You go home and you look at these verses. Here they are. You ready? We're going to go fast. You ready? Proverbs 13.10. Proverbs 13.10. Proverbs 15.25. Proverbs 16.5. Proverbs 21, 24. Here's what I want you to do. Tomorrow morning, get up 20 minutes early. Look at these verses. See what God says to you. Then send me a, te- send me a message on Facebook. Hey, pastor, this is what I got from this. Or you can text it to me, whatever. I want to know that you're studying God's Word. I'm going to hold you accountable. And if you don't text me, I'm going to text you, okay? <laughs> All right? If you don't send me a message on Facebook, I'm going to send you a message on Facebook. Hey, uh, I noticed you didn't do your Scripture reading this week. Uh, there they are. All right, so... It's a, it's a devastating thing. Listen, pride is a devastating thing. It will get you. I read about a man one time who suffered from pride. Matter of fact, he was obnoxious with his pride. You ever met somebody like that? Don't raise your hand. Okay. You ever met somebody like that? Uh, they're, they're disgusting. And so he thought he was so, so prideful, he said I, he got a chance to talk to God one time. And in his conversation with God, he asked God this question. God, why did you make my wife so beautiful? He said, so that you would love her. He said, okay, well, God, why did you make my wife so sweet? He said, so that you would love her. He said, God, why did you make my wife so helpful? He said, so that you would love her. He said, God, why did you make my wife so stupid? He said, so she will love you. (laughs) Listen, listen, listen. Pride is a problem. God hates pride. Not only does God hate pride, Pride is resisted by God. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5 says this, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God opposes those who are prideful, but gives grace to the humble. Listen, pride is what brought Lucifer down. He told himself, according to Isaiah, I want to, be, I want to send my throne above the heavens. I want to raise my throne above God's. You know, I want to be enthroned. I want everybody looking at me. I want everybody worshiping me. I want to be king. I want to be God. He wasn't content being what he was. It's the same thing in the Garden of Eden. 
The serpent aspired to be like God, and he passed on that temptation to Adam and Eve. They said, oh, we know if we eat this fruit, we'll be like God. Pride. Pride led them to do that. And pride is the, is the temptation that every man and woman has to deal with. Pride is behind every false teaching and every false religion and every false teacher that we can discover. Pride is behind every family breakup. It's behind every marital chaos. Pride is the destructive element in every church squabble is pride. Pride leads to a lack of trust and it erodes relationships. So if we're going to win the battle for trust, we've got to deal with this pride issue because it's within us and we've got to deal with it. So I know you asked the question, well, how can I see if I have pride in my life? First one, ask your spouse. They will tell you, okay? You can do that. They're not supposed to lie to you. Ask your pride. Honey, do I have pride? And they'll tell you, okay? But, but if you really want to know, how do I get rid of pride? How do I know if I have pride? I'm going to answer that question for you. Write this down. Here's a little test you can take. Pride is unteachable. Pride said, knows everything. Uh, pride thinks that, that they have the corner on the market. I mean, you can't teach them anything because they already know everything. And so, so they, don't, they don't sit down and, and, and let you teach them anything whatsoever because they already know it. So pride is unteachable. But not only is it unteachable, pride despises instruction. They're kind of twins. It's not just that they're unteachable. There's something within them despises somebody trying to tell them what to do, how to do it, when to do it. There's something within you that when somebody tells you something, there's something within you that, that swells up and, and, and rebels against that because you despise instruction. Third, pride hates authority. It hates authority. It doesn't matter if that's a, a president, a governor, a mayor, a, a city council, a boss, a pastor. Pride hates authority. There's a spirit in America today about this spirit of rebellion that dwells in us. This spirit that says, I don't have to be under anybody and I won't obey the authority. I saw an experience the past, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I was driving on Interstate 35 and there was a speed limit sign that said 65. Okay, so I assumed that that meant I'm supposed to drive 65. It's not a suggestion. It's probably, you know, a law. And so I decided I was going to drive 65. I was obeying the authority that placed that sign at that location that told me I'm supposed to go 65. I was obeying the law, the authority. Well, apparently somebody got behind me. And, and I got a little closer and closer to my bumper, and I said, what's going on? I'm obeying the law. I'm going 65. It says right there, go 65. Well, he suddenly jerked his car around me, and I thought he was going to come beside me and give me a good boy, you know, attaboy. He gave me a gesture. <laughs> and it was not a gesture of encouragement. Why did he do that? Because he defied the authority that put that sign up that says you ought to drive 65. You see, there's a spirit within us that rebels against any type of authority. But not only does it, pride hates authority, pride leads to deception. Pride is the area that says rules no longer apply to my life. Rules are no longer acceptable to me. 
the story is told of King David. I love the story of King David. King David is, is one of the heroes of the faith. You know King David. You know, he was the boy who killed Goliath with just a stone. He was the boy, the, the boy who eventually became a mighty warrior in Israel. He won many victories, and he eventually became king of Israel. And while David had gotten comfortable in his kingship, and he was beginning to move on in his leadership, 2 Kings chapter 11, verse 1, introduces a tidbit of information about David. This is what it says. He says, In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. Now, we would normally just pass over that verse. That verse doesn't mean anything. It's just kind of setting the stage for what has happened. Yeah, it sets the stage okay, because here's what happened. The scripture is clear. It was the spring. It was the time when the kings go off to war. So the rule, the unwritten rule, or maybe it was a, a rule passed down from kings, that in the spring, when it's time to go off to war, the kings go off to make war. But David decided the rules no longer apply to me. I don't have to live under that rules. I don't have to live under that pattern. I can make my own decisions, live my own way, do whatever I want. So instead of kings going out to lead his men to war, what did David do? He sent Joab. He sent Joab out to fight the battles that kings are supposed to fight. Somewhere along the line, David decided the rules don't apply to me. And you know what happened? David went up on a, up on a balcony to get a, a breath of fresh air, and he looked out and he saw a naked woman bathing. And it began the downward spiral of David. And I'm convinced that David's kingdom began to unravel when David decided the rules no longer apply to me. I can live any way I want to live. I can do whatever I want to do because he got prideful. He got prideful in his own heart. David decided he wasn't going to do what he'd always done. It's a danger, isn't it? It's a danger when we start acting like that and we start thinking like that. When you begin to think that the rules don't apply to you, that you don't have to live under the authority of someone else, you fall into one of Satan's traps. That's one of the things I've been discovering in my own life. The more responsibility the Lord gives me, the more opportunity the Lord gives me, the more authority that God gives me, the more I've got to get back to the basics. The more I've got to get back to those rules. I've got to get back to those things that formed that foundation that got me to the point I am. Pride comes before the fall. David discovered that in his life. And let me tell you something, you're not any better than David. You will discover the same truth in your own life. But I want to do right. Don't you? Don't you want to do what's right? I want to live by a set of guidelines. I don't want to live above the rules. I, want to, I don't want to have this attitude that everyone else should live by the rules, but I don't have to live by the rules. I don't want to live like that. What kind of thinking is that? I call it stinking thinking, but what kind of thinking is that? You know, the truth is that selective righteousness forgives a lot of sin. I wrote that down so you can write it down. The truth is that selective righteousness forgives a lot of sins. Here's what that means. It's okay if I do something wrong over there because I'm doing something right over here. Selective righteousness. Let me illustrate it to you. Many years ago, 
Uh, we were living in Arizona, and we made a trip to Los Angeles to see our daughter who lived in Los Angeles, and we went to Knott's Berry Farm. Uh, it's kind of an amusement park, kind of a, think us Peanuts. It's a Peanuts, instead of Walt Disney, it's Peanuts. And so we went to the amusement park, and, we, and I walked up, and at the time I had, you know, myself, my wife, my, my two oldest daughters, and my son Jameson had just turned 12, okay? Got that? He just turned 12, all right? So we were there, and, and the sign said, adults 12 and above, $37.95. So I quickly told around, I said, Jerry Jameson, get a job. You're an adult now because he's 12. I was thankful that somebody told me that children are adults at 12. And so, but it said 11 below, they get in for $14.95. So I said, oh, man, that's, you know, I wish I wouldn't have had a kid. It would have saved me some money. You know, uh, which one was, you know, so I said, man, that's, that's five people at, at, at 40 bucks. You know, that's, that's a lot of money. And so one of my daughters, I won't tell which one, uh, she said, well, Daddy, why don't you just tell them that Jameson is 11 and we'll give the rest to the church? <laughs> I mean, he had just turned 12, and he didn't look 12. He didn't have hair on his face. He didn't have a job. But you see what she's doing? We can excuse something over here because we're doing something right over there. That's called selective Righteousness. We do it all the time, don't we? You know I'm right. It's okay if we cheat on our income tax because we're giving more money to the church. It's okay if I cheat on my spouse because I'm providing a good financial stability for my family. It's okay if I don't give my tithe to the church because I give to the church a lot of other ways. Yeah. Or, you know... It's okay if I skip church because I'm spending quality time with my family. You see how we do it? We ignore things over here because we're doing something good over here. Selective righteousness. What we're doing is rebelling. And when we rebel and we stomp our feet in rebellion, I won't do that. We are pattering our life after the rebellion of Lucifer himself, who at the very beginning of time, I will not submit to the authority of God. His rules do not apply to me whatsoever. And when that young teenage daughter, she's going out that door, and you holler out, now sweetie, you be careful out there, and she cocks that hip, and she goes, well, where did that come from? Where did that little girl who was a perfect little angel just five minutes ago, and now she's a little devil? Where did it come from? It came from the pits of hell, and it came from Satan himself. And it's that temptation that wells up in us from Lucifer, and he dwells within us when we allow pride to come up. Final one. Pride is the expression of self-ownership and self-authorship. It's the exact opposite of what the Bible says. Pride rebels and says, we have made ourselves. The Bible says that you are the sheep of God's pasture. The Bible says that you were bought with a price and you belong to Him and not to someone else. The Bible says that you walk in submission to Him. It says you deny yourself and you take up your cross daily and you follow Jesus. 
This is what the Bible says. But you see, when you're, when you're full of pride, you know what you begin to do? You say, there is no God. There is no creator. There is no judge. There is no ultimate standard by which I need to live. There's no one to whom I need to give a final account. We answer to ourselves. I have to answer for what I do. And I determine my future. No one's going to determine my future for me. We shape our own lives. You know what we call that? Idolatry of self. You've placed yourself in a position that does not belong to you. And what happens when you begin to worship yourself, uh, you're, it's all about yourselves and all about your feelings. What we feel becomes the most important thing in the universe. What matters to me, that's what's important. And look, if that's what's important to me, it should be important to you. Why? Because the world revolves around me. You get the point? That's what pride says. Everything revolves about me. I am the most important thing in the world. Pride demands that everything revolve around me. And the psychology is very simple. I give in to what makes me feel happy, and I am then governed by my emotions and my feelings, and I become my own God. As a matter of fact, pride says, I don't need a God. I'm a God. In fact, what you really need is you need me. Now, that's pride talking. I'm my own authority. That's what begins to happen. And what happens, you become in bondage to your own feelings. And I want you to know, your feelings will deceive you. God's Word will not deceive you. Amen. Your feelings, your emotions will deceive you. But that's what happens. Listen, pride will throw you in a ditch. Pride will throw me in a ditch. Pride will keep you from being everything that God has intended for you to be. Pride is when you set yourself up on your own throne. Pride it will bring your world to an end. You know what happens in pride? Pride is where we, the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? Pride says, I can do all things. The Bible says, with the faith of a mustard seed, I can move mountains. Pride says, I can move mountains. You don't need God. You can do it by yourself and on your own. The Scriptures are clear that God is against pride. He's against that prideful nature that exists within us. It's there. It's dormant. It's dormant. We need to recognize our need. We need to have somebody come into our lives and rid us of this pride that dwells within us. We need somebody to come in and establish His rule and His reign in our lives. We need the kingdom of God made real within each one of us. I can't speak for you, but you know, when I find myself drifting and I say, I don't need God. You know, I don't, uh, I don't need God's Word. I don't need God's people. I don't need Bible study. I, I don't need to be tithing. I don't need to be going to worship. You ever been there? You, don't, don't, you, know, you ever been there? You feel like you, uh, you know, I, I don't need any of those things? When I get like that and, and, I, and I say, you know, you know, God, I know. God, I know that Jesus Christ died on the cross for me. I know that, that He died to give me life to the fullest. I know that I was bought with a price. But you know, Lord, 
I don't really need you running my life. I don't really need you to be in control of my life. When I get that tendency in my life, when I get that temptation in my life, at that moment, I cry, oh God, help me. God, help me. Because that's not what I want. You ever been there in your life? You ever been there in a time when you feel like you don't need those things? That's when you cry out to your Creator. You say, God, help me. Listen, my friends, we are in a battle. We are in a war of the worlds. We are in a battle between good and evil. The enemy has landed. They are strong. They are powerful. And their greatest adversary is the church and the followers of Christ. We are involved in a war between good and evil. If you want to win, you got to get a grip of this pride. You got to deal with it. And you need somebody that can come in and rule in your life and help you be all that you can be in Christ Jesus. You know, how do you do an invitation for a sermon such as pride? You know, I might get prideful if people come forward. How do you do a sermon? How do you do it? Here's, here's what I think we do. In a moment, the praise team is going to come and, and pray, sing a last song. I know we'll have the tendency to, to look at them and, and, and listen to what they're doing and say, oh, they're so good, oh, they're so good. Uh, and they are. We'll have a tendency to reflect upon that when we really need to do is reflect upon ourselves. So what I'm going to ask you to do as the praise team leads us, just spend a couple of minutes in prayer. And say, God, I don't want to be prideful. God, could you help me get rid of this pride that's constantly raging within me? Lord, I want to win the war. I want to win the war. And just ask God to help you with the pride in your heart. I'll be here at the front. Marcy's not here today. I'll be here. If you just need somebody to pray with you, you need to talk to somebody. I'll be here. I'll be here for you. And perhaps there's somebody that said, hey, you know, uh, if I'm really going to win this battle for pride, I've got to have a Savior. We didn't really talk about that today. But if you want to know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and as your Savior, we can tell you how to do that. And we give you an opportunity. Because I'll tell you one thing, you would never win the war for pride without Him. You'll never do it. It's impossible. So we want to give you that opportunity. Maybe say, hey, I want to be involved in the church. I want to be a part of church home. We can tell you how to do that. Whatever decision God is leading you to make, we're going to invite you to do that. Would you stand with me as the praise team comes to lead us? Let me lead us in prayer. Father, we come before you this morning. You know, Lord, we live in a difficult world. And God, it seems like Every month, every year, we just fall further and further away from your truth. And Father, Satan seems like he's getting the upper hand. Lord, I see it in my own family. I see it in my own life. God, Father, I see it in the life of your church. God, I see it in the world around us. And God, we cry out as the Apostle Paul, who will save us from this wretched person we have become. God, we need you. 
We don't need you, Father, just in it as an expression. God, we need you in the innermost parts of our heart. So I'm praying, Father, this morning that you will talk to us, convict us, God, of our sin of pride. And Father, if we sit here today and say that we don't have any pride, oh, Father, forgive us of our pride. Every one of us has some element of pride within us. But Lord, we don't want to live controlled by pride. So God, I pray that you will convict us today and cleanse us and wash us so that we can be what you'd have us to be. Touch our hearts. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.